Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. St. Paul's epistle is written out of the confident belief that the world is coming to an end. And he's right. The morning prayer lessons have been cluing us into this fact for a while now. We've watched one king after the other ascend with lofty aspirations and descend into sin, decay, death, and exile. Israel will fall to Assyria. Babylon will eat Assyria. Babylon will eat Judah. Persia will eat Babylon. Greece will eat Persia, Greece will devour itself, and Rome will inherit the boneyard and then die and join the others. So it goes, and there is no question about it. But the world does not want to die. It does not lay itself down in quiet resignation, but rages against the dying of its light. It shakes and breaks sings its death rattle proudly, vaunts its waning strength in the hope that by sheer force of will, it can stave off the end. But it won't. It can't. The question of its end is secure. If there was any doubt, the crucifixion of Christ made it clear. The world, in killing the author of its life, has inflicted an incurable mortal wound to its own life. The only question now is this. How does one live in a world that is dying? Watch your step. St. Paul is intensely practical about his advice sometimes. Plan your path wisely. Know that the ground here tends to give away, that the vapor and fog is thick and easily tricks the eye. Do what can be done. Don't expect this world to do more than it can. Time runs out. Make good use of it. Keep your wits about you. Don't distract yourself and don't embrace a cheap substitute for real things. The world's breath goes, grows ragged. Breathe out that dead air and breathe in the breath of God. Use that breath to sing and to speak in love with your neighbor, with gratitude and with humility before your God. This alone is life in the midst of death. The gospel tells a similar story. Our Lord likens his kingdom to a wedding feast thrown in the overwhelming cheer of a king who is watching his son get married, while the day outside wears on. In the light of that day, invitations go out, and they're refused. Servants are sent out to persuade those invited. The feast is described in grand terms of generosity, of no expense spared. One by one, the invited guests occupy themselves with literally anything else. They're too busy 
They've got better things to do. They can't be bothered. The feast is prepared. How unfortunate there are no guests. The king then, in a radical hospitality, opens the door to the banquet to literally everyone. But guests start to arrive. The party begins. But as the parable reaches its height, things shift and another parable emerges by surprise. The king sees amid his guests one who is without a wedding garment, the guest who is not ready to attend the feast and so cannot sit among the others. As he is removed from the feast, we are surprised when the doors of the house are opened to reveal that everything outside is now eclipsed in shadow. Night has fallen. Night has swallowed up all those guests who were too busy to attend. Night has swallowed up all of the pursuits and the excuses for why they did not attend. And now night swallows up this unready guest. In the end, there is only the feast and only the outer darkness. But why is this guest asked to leave? We're told he lacked a wedding garment, but what does that mean? St. Paul begins to give us an answer in his epistle to the Romans, quote, For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, end quote. Again, St. Paul taught us even just last week in the epistle what this means. Quote, put off your old nature, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new nature created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, end quote. The meaning starts to become clear. To live in the feast that endures while all else around it becomes darkness and void is to put on the only life that can endure to celebrate the full extent of that feast. It is the life of the son of the king, the life of holiness and friendship with the master of the feast. It is the life of our Lord Jesus. All are welcome to the feast, we learn, but we may not celebrate the feast in just any way. Simply our presence there is not enough. Total transformation of our lives, the putting on of Christ's righteousness, our wedding garment, that must always follow. The feast that Christ speaks of is all there really is. It is the only end of the Christian life. Outside of it is only that which will fade into darkness. The feast of the sun alone is forever.
the world of fields and merchandise will resolve back into vapor and shadow. The season of Trinity is ending, and so is the world. The Lord of the feast will return and close the doors to the banquet hall. If we put on Christ in a life of prayer and holiness, then we will live in the halls of the Father forever. Without that, and without him, is only a forever waning life in a long dead world of night. The days are evil, says St. Paul, because they are days that refuse to admit that they're going to end. We who hope to live in such days are those who embrace our end already in Christ, so that in this world that is fading, we begin to live more every day, where even now we begin to taste of that feast that is forever. And so may God preserve us this morning from all that may tempt us away from getting to that feast. May God our Father give us all that is needed to put on Christ and to breathe in the Spirit. And in such a way, let us then take cheer in this world, halfway in shadow and halfway in light. For beyond these evil days is the wedding feast forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.